Welcome to the Faith Today podcast, conversations inspired by Canada's Christian magazine. Jen Watt, Stephen Doucette Campbell, and Jennifer Bowen are all counselors with the Shalane Mental Health Network. Here at the Faith Today podcast, we asked Jen, Stephen, and Jennifer to have a conversation and share from their own personal experiences, along with their clinical insights, into how we can all continue to do well during COVID in three key areas, how we cope with isolation, how we are doing marriage right now, and how we can keep parenting in a healthy way for everyone. This episode is about isolation. I loved their advice to take the feelings of scarcity we might be feeling and reach out to others and the reminder that all family members respond differently. We hope you find this helpful to where you are right now. If you do, please share it with others. Hello, Stephen, Jennifer, here we are um, on the EFC podcast, and uh, we're slotted for three separate podcasts coming up. Looks like we're going to cover isolation in COVID, marriage in COVID, and parenting in COVID. It's just occurring to me that I think EFC is hoping that we can introduce who we are before we dive into how we feel about isolation and COVID. I'm Jen Watt. I'm one of the therapists at Shalame, and I've been meeting with people online for therapy since we pivoted in March. And likewise, I'm Stephen Doucette Campbell, working at Shalame as a therapist. And the last time I saw an actual client in person in my office was March 17th. 2020. So it's coming up, yeah, 10 months. And I'm Jennifer Bowen. I um, also am a therapist at Shalane Mental Health, but I've also had other hats until up to November. I was a clinical director, so I supported our team of therapists. And as of January 1st, I stepped into the role of executive director at Shalane. So uh, some new muscles, some new muscles and new ways of thinking about COVID and how to, and how to support clients. I'm also still working with people and hearing just how big of a word isolation is during this time. Lots of people are at home and lots of people are feeling lonely. It's a heavy topic. We're starting with with a really heavy issue, aren't we? Yeah. 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 And it's very fresh for me anyways. I think it's quite different to come into a topic and not be able to get a lot of distance from it to talk about it from a professional perspective, but speaking professionally, but also personally too. Stephen, what are your thoughts about this topic? Um, I think I'm just struck by how different so many people are experiencing, mm-hmm. you know, this time in general, uh, the pandemic in general, and, and how it there continues to be new periods in time. It feels like we keep entering new periods and new, almost new eras. And so I think my personal experience right now has not been isolation because I live with six other people, but I'm I have family members who have not seen other family in months and who never really go out and and many, many clients who are experiencing the same thing. So I think just being in tune with how many people are really not seeing very many people right now and how that meaningful connection, that meaningful time of actually sitting with someone and sharing a meal and laughing and those things are not happening as much for so many people right now and Mm -hmm. just how hard that is. I think we're all or lots of clients, but I think I identify with this personally as well. There's been a lot of COVID fatigue and people saying, I can't keep it up anymore. And I, we can't keep up the isolation. It's and not visiting. It's just too much. And so I was just reading this morning, how many Canadian families have decided, even though it may not be the safest choice, I'm still going to reach out because mental health is feeling so difficult to do on my own. And 
I'm worried about the impact on my children. I'm worried about the impact on our, on our family and to stay well, we need to visit. So it's hard. This is not, this is not a light issue at all. Yeah. And I think this isolation piece really stands out, especially for um, people who live alone or people who may have um, not necessarily, but for sure people who have strained relationships with those people that they live with, but also if you're not feeling totally connected or just a disconnect from the people that you do live with. And I think it speaks to also how our bodies are designed to interact socially, that there's so much comfort. There's like we ease our our nervous systems just through social interaction and we don't get to do that right now. Yeah, not in the ways that we're used to. Yeah, absolutely. I think even you know, parents, especially parents with young kids, there's a real loneliness there and a real burden of not having that time to themselves either. There's just high demands on time. And then never mind if you're working from home and, and those things as well. So the interaction that you are having with people online might not actually be social kind of laid back time. It's it's time that is already kind of devoted to some other purpose or task. And, and then after that, it's parenting and, and having very little time. To, to oneself. So yeah, there's so many different scenarios right now playing out in that way. It also puts a large burden on the people that you do live with that you're to meet all of those broad needs that you might have had before where you were able to kind of have that with people outside the home. And I think that really amplifies some of those feelings as well. Yeah, I was struck. I, I did look back a little because I did a presentation on loneliness about a year and a half ago. And at that time, you know, we were talking in terms of loneliness being an epidemic and, and just how much it was talked about and that a third of people surveyed said that they had less than two or less people that they could actually like depend upon. And a quarter mm-hmm. said they had no one. And I think just here, reading those numbers again, it just struck me how the echoes that are going to kind of play out from this over the next, you know, three, four years that we're going to continue to hear about regardless, but just the impact this is having, I think we, we haven't probably begun to recognize yet. I know one piece that, that the three of us have talked about briefly, and I think you're right, that may create ripples going forward and we might need a chapter of reconciliation as a community, small community and, and larger community is the, the amount of conflict being generated around COVID, right? There's, there's often political yeah. conflict, um, but family members react differently to COVID. And some people respond, feel a lot of fear over it. And so I think, what were we saying? That some people feel fear of their freedoms being taken away and that they get activated and other people feel fear of COVID them, itself as a disease and, and they become activated and find themselves drawn towards kind of hunkering down. And that conflict means the people that you normally might reach to to get comfort and support from are people now that are feel feel hard to talk to. And we've often talked about how our nervous system, the way we think, we we tend not to be at our best. We're not, we're not all that creative. We're not all that flexible when we get stressed out. So we've yeah. got a culture of lots of people feeling stressed out but reacting in different ways that creates gaps between people, that creates disconnect, right? Or like there's dynamics where if one person in the family or, or friends who are uh, one person wants to follow the rules to a T and then another friend wants to maybe follow most of them except for one or two, just even that conflict, one person showing up at another person's door and being invited in and one person not wanting to come in, but not because they don't trust the other friend, but just because they're trying to follow the rules. There's just so many social dynamics at play at so many different kinds of 
social interactions. And then that difference causes a sense of isolation too. And then when you're isolated, you think nobody else feels the same way as you. And so then that's like a spiral into further isolation. It reminds me of a conversation I had socially over the weekend where friendships often are formed in communities based on similar interests. So we love bowling and we go to the bowling club and we're hanging out and and, or or life stages with family. We have kids of a similar age and they're at the playground. And so you get to know whoever else is at the playground. But friendship and, are starting to be formed around what social distance activities are you comfortable with and we'll hang out with, with you because they're compatible, which is I guess is a good thing that we're being resilient and trying to be adaptive and find people. But but again, the loss of, of friendships and connections with families, uh, family colleagues, whatever it is, people that you normally would be leaning on where it feels tricky, difficult, painful to lean on them now, or not feeling necessarily all that able to connect to the same degree over Zoom or over the phone. It's, it's hard. Yeah. So do we have any solutions? Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. Um, I was thinking one of them, very small situation, like I remember at the beginning of the lockdown time, when everybody's tentative about even going on walks, I remember walking on the sidewalk and seeing the person quite far from me get off the sidewalk and cross the street or walk on the road. And uh, I remember my first reaction was like, oh, like, what's wrong with me? Can you see that? I like my first go to reaction was it was a kind of almost a feeling of taking it personally. But then right away, I was like, no, this is pandemic, (laughs) the person so needing to just be mindful of these things. And just having like a general statement of like, this is this is lockdown. And this is hard, or even saying that this isn't personal. That was just like a practical, like a personal one that came to mind that was helpful and, and slowly adapted. Now I don't feel like it's a personal thing that somebody's crossing the road because they see me coming. The same thing happened to me. It doesn't feel good yet. And now it feels like the norm. There was four of us passing last night and we were all spread across the the 100 meters across the road trying to make, and then a car came. Yeah, I think, you know, trying to look at this in terms of what what our needs are, what we're missing, and, and not then focus on kind of that. I mean, there needs to be that grieving. I think we've all been going through those waves of, of grieving and, and loss. But then kind of say, okay, what are the needs that I have? And also maybe other focused on, okay, who are the other people that are feeling this way? And how do I kind of take that? It feels like a risk, right? Because how do I reach out to those people? But to take that risk, it feels like a lot of effort because you're not sure how people are going to respond. And people do, I think, do have Zoom fatigue. They're tired of social media sometimes, tired. And, you know, the old-fashioned phone call, sometimes some people are doing that, but not everybody likes that. So I think trying to kind of take that discomfort, take that scarcity that we're feeling, and then say, how do I propel myself to to reach out to someone? And hopefully this isn't just something I'm doing to be meaningful for me or to have my need met, but also to maybe actually meet help them meet that need as well and kind of reciprocate um, some of that connection. But that that's hard to do. I, I'm finding in myself that's really, it takes a lot of effort to do that. It's funny. It's making me think of an old metaphor from years ago where many, many of us, when we function day to day, so pre-COVID, you get out of bed and you find yourself in the washroom brushing your teeth and you find yourself making breakfast and you find yourself waving at the neighbor and uh, you find yourself in a, having to deal with colleagues at work and you've got, a, you've got an autopilot where I don't have to think intentionally about most of my actions. Most of them 
are lovely preset programs that work really well for me. Occasionally you have a pickle where you think, ooh, you've done something that pisses me off and I don't know how to deal with you. Um, and you have to find an uncomfortable way to lead in. But those are rare. Like I feel like before COVID, most of us could work on autopilot for a lot of the day. But now mm-hmm. so much of the day is how do I manage these squirrely things happening inside me right now? And, and I need to make some active choices to do something about this. I can't just watch Netflix and hope that it goes away. I can't just, or what do people, like we know people in our practice that will turn to chemicals, might turn to alcohol to feel better, might turn to Netflix to feel better. There's lots of things that we can do to make the feelings go away, but how do we switch out of auto and into manual and and make choices that lead to something somewhere life-giving, whether it's turning to a person through Zoom in a socially distanced way. Or whether it's learning, leaning to the Bible and, and reaching into or listening to a podcast that we know is, is really meaningful and, and will help set our heart right. And I think there is that piece where maybe it's leaning into lament, leaning into the spiritual practices of lament. I heard a great podcast that talked about COVID being a time that it's an invitation to lean into that, into those practices of that in God's word, it talks so much about lament and there isn't necessarily a resolution, but that lament doesn't have to finish and be that we have to package it up in a nice box. Yeah. And we can't right now too. Like we just don't have control and there's so much uncertainty and unknown that it's learning to kind of tolerate that and recognize that some days it's going to feel a lot more draining than other days. I do think routine can be really good at this point. I know that there's been tons and tons written on this and talked about, but I do think just the general, you know, best practices or the things that we need to kind of promote overall, you know, mental, physical, spiritual health are are good to tune into as well uh, throughout this. And that's kind of what you were saying, Jennifer, but I think just to continue to do those things, get outside when we can, you know, even if you can walk with people, you know, that's one thing I've been doing is is trying to walk and, and, and I think properly social, social distance in that way. Um, but getting creative and, and um, figuring out what kind of feeds you and, and, and working from that rather than just seeing the constraints. Because right now, I mean, to me, I set my alarm early on Sunday morning to go grocery shopping because I was like, I don't want to go grocery shopping when the store is full and stuff like I would never have done that before. But just yeah. trying to get that stuff out of the way early in the day. So I'm like, hey, I don't need to have that worry now. I can just focus on on other stuff that feeds me for the rest of the day. Yeah, you start to think about what you have control over. Um, the time of day that I go to grocery shopping is something I have control over, even if so much of the rest I don't. Yeah, yeah. and on that, I'm just pulling up a summary that one of our other therapists wrote, reference to a book called Burnout by Emily Nagoski and Amelia Nagoski, and it talks about completing the stress cycle, is that we kind of come to stress, but then oftentimes our body still doesn't feel safe yet from the stress, and we're in a time of stress, but to complete the stress cycle actually just involves us physically to move or to have like progressive muscle relaxation or deep breathing. One of them would be positive social interaction, which has kind of been removed for many people as an option. But those are some good ones. Like you said, just going for a walk can actually, instead of trying to change our external circumstances, can actually bring some calm to our bodies. And that that's one way to do that. Yeah, no, that's great. I just want to underline what you just said in terms of those strategies, breathing, I think everyone who would be listening to this knows what breathing is. 
although Brock's breathing is a great strategy, but I would encourage people to, to Google progressive, progressive muscle relaxation because it's such a great intervention and, and free, right? You can read it off of Google and do it and do it at home and it relaxes your body so quickly. It's funny. That reminds me, um, as a clinic, we occasionally get calls as an agency, actually the wider agency. We sometimes get calls from community groups, from churches or organizations that have had a massive trauma, something really difficult that they've had to deal with. And we sometimes will go in to help debrief staff that have been part of it. And one of the, one of the documents that we give everyone one of the first directives is in the next 24 hours, you need to exercise a lot. When I first saw that was really surprised, but it it talks about your nervous system and how one of the best ways for this memory, for this experience, not to get lodged in your head in in a negative way, creating more problems in your future is to help things. Your, your body physically moving helps resolve so much of that. It doesn't address the whole thing, of course, but that's one of the mandates we give people and, and most people find it really, really useful. So funny that we're month nine, is it month nine or month 10 into COVID? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's an exercise is still such a powerful way of, of caring for ourselves. I think one of the things that I apparently is that where that people are leaning into is exercise because if you look at bikes, bike stores, apparently the bike stores are out, cleaned out. That was the case in the summer. And I was looking into cross-country skiing. There are no cross-country skis to be purchased, especially at secondhand stores and other places. So I think that has been an outlet for people that have found it successful. But maybe for people who just feel like, because I feel this sometimes, like, oh, a walk seems so simple. I can't seem to get myself out the door. What is helpful is just like, okay, I'm just going to put my feet on the floor. Okay, now I'm just going to go to the front door now. And just um, even breaking down those steps to actually get to the door, get outside. And then once we're outside, it feels better. Yeah. Invariably, when you step out the door, it starts to feel great, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's kind of that mantra, like time's going by either way and I can sit and worry or I can do something. And it sounds too simple, but sometimes it's helpful just to think in that way of like, okay, so I have a, a wave of emotion is hitting me differently today than it was yesterday. This is, this feels harder. This feels heavy today. And what am I going to do? Like, I'm, I can do the same things that I've been doing all along because I'm still going to get out and do that walk. I'm still, I still got to eat. I still have to sleep. I stay, uh, sleep's been harder for me, but, you know, sleep's important. Still have to interact with people. I still have to parent or I still have to get this work done. But I think thinking of it in terms of like, okay, these emotions will come and go and they're not good or bad. They're uncomfortable and they're comfortable, but they, they happen. And how do I continue to kind of function through this and sometimes you do have to give yourself just a break sometimes you need to just kind of crash and and acknowledge that it's too much but kind of having that self-compassion through that because I think sometimes we get that emotion you know that fear kicks in or that that new wave of depression kicks in or whatever and we feel immediately like something's wrong or that we've done something wrong and and sometimes nothing's changed it's just hitting differently and it's not going to last forever yeah yeah I was just talking to to a friend uh, the other day, and we were talking about promotions in friendships, meaning I think, I don't know if you guys have heard this in your office recently, but I've heard lots of my clients talk about how it's hard to think of people that you want to be vulnerable with. It's hard to think of people that I don't feel like I have enough friends. I don't feel like there's anyone who wants to hear about this because they're struggling too. And I feel like occasionally in our life, we have these chapters where people get promoted. <laughs> Someone might be mm. an acquaintance and I've always thought you were a nice person at church and we've talked a few times but we don't really know each other all that well. And I'm wondering if COVID is an opportunity for some of those people 
um, at least for people who are listening to this right now, they may have a handful of people in their circle, whether it's a neighbor or an extended family member they've always liked but never really talked deeply with or someone at church again that they've always thought looked like a great person, but they haven't. And if that's an opportunity to think about promoting some people from acquaintance um, or just church member to someone who could become a friend. Um, Cause mm-hmm. I think we experience most of us love getting those phone calls. Hey, would you like to have coffee? We don't know each other very well. COVID mm-hmm. coffee, meaning like zoom coffee over yeah. zoom. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. COVID coffee makes it sound very bad. <laughs> yeah. But you know what I mean? Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great one. Well, really good ideas. I'm sure we can, I know we can probably talk about this topic more and we do get to in our next segment on marriage. And I think I'll include marriage and family. And that was on our plan to also discuss so that all people married or not can be involved in listening in on those conversations. Thank you for listening. Check out more podcasts and subscribe to Faith Today magazine for free at faithtoday.ca. This podcast is produced by the Evangelical Fellowship of Canada. If you enjoyed it, please rate or share it.